0: Welcome to the Let's Get Sensory podcast. My name is Kelsey, and I'm an occupational therapist, sensory specialist, and ADHD. If you're looking to up level you and your kids' lives by learning how to live a sensory lifestyle to help with attention, anxiety, hyperactivity, and impulsivity, then you've come to the right place. So here we go. Let's get sensory. Welcome back to Let's Get Sensory Podcast. It's your host, Kelsey. So I actually just got back from a mini getaway doing one of my all-time, or my nervous system's all-time favorite things, which is camping. So we went to a spot outside of Chattanooga. Of course, I had to stop in Chattanooga because it's one of my all-time favorite cities. I had to stop, do a little walk on their river walk, get a bite to eat. And then we headed over to our campsite for the night right outside of Cloudland Canyon State Park, which is one of my all-time favorite places to hike in Georgia, outside of my number one all-time favorite, which is Cumberland Island. Highly recommend checking, checking Cumberland Island out. And so we used Hip Camp for our campsite, which is something that I've used for years. It's kind of always my go to for camping instead of using one of those campgrounds where there's like sites stacked right next to each other. Hip Camp is kind of like an Airbnb, but for camping. And I always find the best campsites there and just like the most beautiful spots. So had the best time just feeling super recharged right now, super regulated. I feel like as someone who spends a lot of time on social media, I really just cherish those moments to disconnect and of course with camping you are like fully, fully disconnected and instead connected with nature, which just is so helpful for just helping our nervous systems to slow down. And as it goes, I feel like for a lot of us neurodivergence, I feel like for a lot of us, we kind of go the hippie nature obsessed route because of how healing nature is for our nervous system. And it's out in nature that is just one of those few places that we feel deeply regulated and where we just feel so at peace and where we can just really feel our thoughts slow down and actually just like pause and just be able to like take that huge breath of fresh air. I know for me, I have always loved nature, but my obsession with it really started in college. It was after I had hit rock bottom and like my like the rock bottom of all rock bottoms in my life where I had been severely depressed was taking a lot of different anti anxiety, antidepressants and really self-numbing and self-medicating by going out most nights, almost like every, every night of the week because I couldn't be alone with my thoughts and was really just doing anything to escape the absolute burnout state my nervous system was in at that time and had been in for a really long time. And so you may have heard this story already, but this was that time when I was uncoincidentally, there's no way this was a coincidence that I was introduced to sensory therapy, which gave me a real sense of hope for the first time ever. And as many sensitive nervous systems go, we have very addictive personalities. So my self-numbing, my self-medicating addiction turned into a nature addiction. And I actually started working at a hippotherapy, like a therapeutic riding farm, where fun fact, horseback riding is an extremely sensory and nervous system strengthening activity, like super powerful when I was working at this farm I mostly worked with kids but also got to work with people with PTSD and veterans with PTSD which was one of my favorite therapy work experiences to this day getting to escape the pressure and hustle culture of college and escape to nature every day when I wasn't Doing that, I was camping, backpacking on the weekends, going to North Georgia, Asheville, Smokies, Chattanooga, anywhere to escape. And my boyfriend at the time actually decided to live partially off-grid. So we really like we went all in i would definitely still say that i'm a little bit of a hippie that part hasn't fully left that part will always be with me but this is when i was like just really in the depths of my hippie phase of life and so my boyfriend at the time had rented some land out in the country middle nowhere winder georgia if you're familiar Uh, where moved into a camper and had we had this just like together built this amazing garden garden goals really my dream is to have a garden like that again someday like the whole nine yards and while it was extremely healing time for two neurodivergent two hsps highly sensitive people this was really for the both of us the start of our journey of healing our nervous systems and starting that trauma healing and especially like when working on healing our trauma nature played a huge role into that which I guess is why I went on this whole spiel to begin with I guess that was like my thought process behind all of this was just this friend the friendly reminder of something that we all know but again just to remind how incredibly healing nature is and how good it is for our nervous systems, for trauma healing, for just all of that good stuff, that important inner work. So just to name a few of those nervous system benefits from a sensory perspective, just being outside in nature is incredibly tactile strengthening, like all those different textures, all those different feelings, whether you're gardening or even just sitting out in your backyard the grass, the dirt, the sweat, all of the things, and even the simple act of walking a trail. Like when you are having to navigate the trail and you're constantly scanning your environment, watching the ground, trying not to trip over roots, you're constantly just having to visually scan back and forth. So very visually strengthening and balance yourself and work all of these different physical parts of our nervous system, which a lot of times we don't really think of that physical aspect of our nervous system and how just extremely strengthening something we used to do all the time back in the day was just a normal part of everyday lives. We didn't have sidewalks, we didn't have cars, we didn't have any of that, but not so much anymore since we have escalators, elevators, all of these different things which are not necessarily bad things, but also don't promote as much nervous system and sensory strengthening as when we are out in nature. And I could really go on and on about its nervous system benefits, but I'll pause on my nature rant, save that for another day, and let's dive into relationship. This is an extremely special episode. I am excited to really open up to you all, to really just share more of my journey and not just that surface level I feel like I am very vulnerable with you all but I just want to be more and more vulnerable just because I know that's so healing for myself and also for you all just hopefully I know one thing I've learned as a highly sensitive person working with a lot of highly sensitive kids and adults is that we share So much similarities. There's so much, so many things on my journey where I was like, I am alone on this. Like, I felt very isolated. I was like, I'm the only person who does this. So, I feel like it's very, very healing to, and even during my sessions when I'm like, oh, I do that too, whether I'm working with a kid or whether it's an adult, I feel like every time we have that moment of just where we resonate with each other. And it's healing for both sides. It's healing for me when I'm with a child. I'm like, I do that all the time. I play with my hair. I stem. I do that too. Like it's something that's just so special and so healing about it. Get ready for this special episode. And if you feel inspired to rate and review the show on Apple or Spotify, please do so and send me a screenshot to my Instagram. So DM me at sensory underscore therapist. And I'll send you a surprise sensory gift. So in the last episode, I promised in this new season of Let's Get Sensory podcast that I was going to be even more vulnerable and even more real with you all. And one thing that I very, very rarely, if anything, never hear people talk about are the struggles within relationships, especially when you are a highly sensitive person or just a neurodivergent all you ever hear or see majority of times on social media and specifically talking about relationship. We only see the positive side in like the shiny parts of relationships and we all want everyone to view our relationships as perfect. And a lot of times it can even feel like a competition, like my relationship is the best, you know, my relationship is the best. And that's something that just happens naturally just with social media, just being very curated where we really only share the best parts, the best moments of our lives and keep any quote unquote negative things hidden. We keep that to the side which i know for me this made me feel you know very ashamed very confused about a lot of what i was experiencing as a neurodivergent as a highly sensitive person so today i want to talk about my patterns um if we do a lot of times if we are hearing about more of those quote unquote negative parts of relationship a lot of times it is putting blame on another person and what they did wrong and so that's going to be the opposite of what i'm going to talk about today so really i want to help break the stigma i want to just have a different kind of conversation to really start a conversation something i wish i would have heard decades ago that could have saved me a lot of pain could have saved me a lot of confusion and helped me learn some really important lessons that, you know, would end up taking me decades to learn. So today I'm going to talk about two common patterns seen in highly sensitive people that can have a huge impact on our relationships. So this includes romantic relationships, co-worker relationships, friendships, family relationships, all different kinds of relationships. So the first one seems simple, But there is really a lot to learn once you start really breaking it apart and and really just looking closely at exactly how much this is impacting our relationships and we're not even realizing it so the first common relationship hurting pattern in hsps is hyper awareness so you're like kelsey that is literally the definition of having an extra sensitive nervous system we know this we have hyper alert senses hyper alert nervous systems We're always very hyper-aware, on edge, on alert, constantly our nervous system's constantly looking for danger. And yes, this is true, but we really don't look at or really think about how this plays a role in our relationships. And this was so me just being super hyper-aware in my relationships and, you know, again, all forms of different relationships. So what do I mean by hyper-awareness? When we are hyper-aware, we are excessively looking for danger or threats. So when other people may feel at peace, may feel settled, may feel safe, those of us with sensitive senses and sensitive nervous systems, instead, we are still on alert, scanning the environment, looking for danger, looking for things that will harm us, will hurt us. So this can show up in our relationships and affect our relationships in a lot of different ways. Like for me, it led to me being overly critical in my relationships when someone did the tiniest thing wrong, just being triggered. And when we do this, it can lead to us frequently or easily feeling disappointed or hurt in our relationship when someone inevitably makes a mistake because we're human, because we are more easily triggered into that fight or flight and this can make, the big part about this, the big thing about this is that what happens is it makes small things feel like big things to us. So when we have hyper alert senses, we are always working overtime, always on that lookout for danger, and of course we're constantly fearing the worst. We naturally start catastrophizing. So thinking of everything in terms of worst case scenarios, and that is actually a real psychological term. I didn't just make up that word, but really catastrophizing, always fearing the worst. And majority of the times, we don't even realize that we're doing this. And it's something that's happening, you know, subconsciously behind the scenes and really adding to that feeling of anxiety. And that same hyper-awareness and hyper-alert senses can also appear more subtle. Like for me, this was really a big part of how it impacted me but it led to me having a lot more difficulty trusting people like on the outside it may have looked like I had a lot of friends but when it came down to people I actually trusted it was very few and far in between like by trust I mean those relationships where I felt like I could be a hundred percent myself in front of them there was no masking not feeling that fear of rejection anytime I made a mistake, not feeling this overwhelming feeling to people please because simply just knowing that I alone am enough and not the things that I do for them and that truly trusting that you know this other person has my back and not having a second guess. And I was the kind of person that you'd meet and you'd likely hit it off with because I was a huge people pleaser but would take a long time for me to fully let down my walls. And the chances of me actually trusting you one day was like a small percentage, like zero to one percent. My hyper awareness led me, especially just looking for the worst and always thinking the worst, fearing the worst, that's what hyper is. It's us looking for danger. It's us looking for the worst in situations, even subconsciously. Like, even though I looked like, you know, Miss Positive, Sally, Sue from the outside, like it was just this subconscious thing that I wasn't even aware was happening. And this comes in. Many different forms, like you can be a hyperware freezer and freeze or shut down in relationships when difficult things arise. You can be a hyperware fighter and have big external emotions when difficult things arise. You can be a hyperaware flighter and immediately trying to escape when different things arise and you feel triggered. You can be, you know, a hyperware fauner and ignore, suppress your needs when difficult things arise which just ends up building and brewing until a big fight, flight, freeze response occurs. Definitely a hyperware fauna. Most likely your combination. Like I have all of them inside me. Big big time hyperware fauners, freezers, but still a combination of all of them. And so For me, like one of my big ones being freeze, which I'll talk about more when I get to the number two common pattern, the number two common relationship hurting pattern in HSPs. But before I get to number two, I want to leave you with one piece of advice, one quick sensory strategy, and that it's something that has been super helpful for me and for in the people and kids that I work with. But that is to work on building your trust muscle. So practice being the key word. Practice. Looking for safety in our relationships. Looking for the good in our relationships, the positive. And really practicing it. And practicing it not just by like thinking it, but being super purposeful about it. So journaling, talking about it out loud, having conversations about it, daydreaming about it, being very purposeful about it. practice 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 so this will help to counteract the constantly looking for danger in our relationships and help us build stronger and more healthy and more fulfilling relationships and just have more add more peace to our lives by just having these you know more peaceful relationships in our lives whether you're practicing this with a coworker maybe there's just one person that you know you feel tense around you just feel a little bit of that unease that distrust around maybe it's a co-worker maybe it's a friend maybe it is romantic partner it could be anything at all any type of relationship you can do this practice in all relationships really it's always beneficial it won't do any harm it only help you just strengthen your relationships and to help you build stronger more healthy more fulfilling relationships And so to be very honest and to be very blunt, I have lost a lot of relationships, friendships. I look at it also as viewing it as like a lot of, you know, friendships that I could have had, but because of these walls and this fear that I've had has prevented me. And yeah, like some might have been for the best, but a a lot of the time I cut off people because I let a lot of fear get in the way and i almost said an embarrassing amount of friends but it's not at all embarrassing something just one of the big key takeaways i want you to know is that this is natural If this is something that you resonate with it is an extremely common response you are absolutely not alone i know i'm absolutely not alone even though i felt alone in this for a long time It is simply just our senses, our nervous system trying to keep us safe, you know, trying to do the best we could with what we knew. And so while some people, likely a small, small, tiny percentage of people may listen and have a negative opinion, like we know the truth. This is facts that's irrefutable and with the truth being that we are not to blame for this we are not to blame to shame ourselves and that our nervous system is not to blame for this it is simply a natural trauma response or protective mechanism to growing up or living with a sensitive nervous system and parents who you know are listening of highly sensitive kids you can really help your help your kids a lot by modeling this to your kids. I know I had neurodivergent parent who also had a very similar pattern. And so instead, talking about all the reasons you trust your friends, your family, your partners, and practice seeing the good in your relationships and being very vocal about this instead of being overly critical in our relationships, being overly seeing the good in our relationships instead of being overly cautious in relationships, try being overly trusting. And this can look like opening up to people in your life, practicing getting really vulnerable with them, being unapologetically yourself. Think of one of your quirks and do it in front of a loved one. When you feel that hyper alertness coming on, that hyper awareness, switching your focus to what you love about that person, awareness of this pattern alone is very powerful and very healing and therapeutic. And what is really even more powerful is knowing the cost of not working on this pattern, the cost of just continuing to ignore this pattern and just continue living in this hyper awareness pattern, letting it impact our relationships. That cost is going to be less meaningful relationships, less fulfilling relationships, less fulfilling friendships, in which we know are the most important part of life. So it's the best part of life and living are the relationships. That's what gives life meaning. So it's, the cost is huge. The cost is everything. And so I say this as someone who knows the consequence all too well. So really knowing the costs and also knowing the benefits, knowing that this practice, practicing this helps you strengthen your nervous system. It's not even just helping the relationships. It literally helps you strengthen your nervous system, strengthen your senses, From being that hyper alert hyper awareness all the time and even part of strengthening your senses so it actually benefits you more than you realize in those moments where you feel like attacking freezing or running away when you unavoidably feel triggered in a relationship and knowing that it benefits and heals you way more than you could ever imagine when you practice building your trust muscle in those moments the second common relationship hurting pattern in hsps is Lack of validation. So this is something that, especially in the children world, in the kids world, like when helping kids through big emotions, like we hear all the time, validate their emotions, validate their feelings. So we are taught the concept that, you know, when we validate kids emotions, we create a safe space for them to express themselves and to learn very important emotional regulation skills. And this exact same thing goes for adults, even though no one's really talking about it in the adult world, not as common as it is in the parenting world, where you hear it all the time. And I'm totally guilty of doing this when conflict arises, thinking like this person's response is totally unreasonable like why like this response is not valid, this is not acceptable. And to be completely honest, a lot of times someone's emotional response would trigger me. So then I would be triggered and it would end up just being a cycle of triggering each other back and forth. But to break that cycle, one powerful way to do that is through validating. Validating your own emotions, validating your friends, family, your husband, your wife's, your partner's emotions. What validating is is like just getting down to the basics of what validation is validating means acknowledging and accepting someone else's emotions without judgment it's about meeting somebody where they are emotionally and when we validate someone's feelings we let them know and we let ourselves know that it is okay to feel frustrated it is okay to feel disappointed it is okay to feel upset we send the powerful message that their emotions are valid and that we are here to support them It helps them feel safe, which resultantly helps to counteract that fight or flight that they are in and that we may be going in. It's just a super powerful sensory strategy to help counteract that fight or flight, to put an end to that fight or flight. And a lot of times what happens when we get angry or we get sad, what happens is we get angry or sad at ourselves for feeling angry or sad. And it just becomes this vicious cycle where we feel angry and sad, we feel angry and sad that we feel angry and sad, so we feel more angry and we feel more sad and we just continue stuck in that cycle. And whether it is ourselves or someone else, it's important to remember emotions are natural. Emotions are not bad. Emotions are what make us human. Emotions like sadness and anger are what make emotions like joy and excitement possible. Because without any quote-unquote negative emotions, which they're not actually negative, that's a big lie we've been taught, But without any quote-unquote negative emotions, there would just be neutrality. There would be no excitement, no joys. There wouldn't be those highs because that is what helps us truly appreciate those moments. And so what happens when we invalidate somebody else's emotions? The opposite happens. We unintentionally dismiss their feelings. That can leave them feeling misunderstood and unheard and just get them more and more into that fight-or-flight state. And so we may not be, you know, saying those words verbally out loud, but really we're sending the message when we don't validate someone's emotions like, oh, it's not a big deal. Oh, just get over it. Or, you know, the message like saying calm down without really saying it, which we all know that never helps and that only makes things worse. So the next time you encounter any form of conflict, let's say with your partner or family member or child, even when you are by yourself feeling triggered for just any reason at all, try validating your emotion or validating somebody else's emotions. And so you can use my personal mantra, like I totally understand why you feel this way. Like I I totally understand. It is totally okay to feel blank, fill in the blank. And that's something, that specific one is one that I usually use with kids. Like it is totally okay to feel this. I'll use it with adults too. What am I saying? That's not true. I'll use it with everybody. And so you can say, I totally understand why you feel this way. I see where you're coming from. Even if you can't totally see it in the moment, because maybe you're also triggered looking through the lens of fight or flight, but also knowing whenever you say that, you are also validating yourself and whatever emotions you are feeling in that moment. You're also sending that message of validation that it is okay to feel our feelings, to give ourselves compassion to feel however we're feeling. And you'll see, whenever you say this to someone, you will see, you'll see that sense of relief. You'll feel that sense of relief, even if it's just like a slight sense you will still pick up on it and it will help change the trajectory of that conflict to a healthier resolution for both involved. So before we wrap things up, I want to remind you why the sensory therapy retreat membership is an absolute game changer for highly sensitive adults and practitioners who work with highly sensitive adults and neurodivergent and who are part of this sensory community. So picture this, monthly live workshops, live healing therapy sessions, one-on-one support, nervous system and sensory evaluations, gaining invaluable insights into your own unique sensory profile, trauma assessments. All of this geared towards helping you heal and strengthen your nervous system through the most effective therapy for sensitive nervous systems and neurodivergence because it was specifically designed and made for us to learn and be guided on how to really understand our sensitivity, how to meet our sensory needs and help regulate our nervous system and how to embrace our sensitivity and really unlock our full potential as highly sensitive people. As a sensory therapy member, you'll also learn my step-by-step sensory trauma therapy process. We'll dig deep into healing our nervous system on a physical, emotional, mental level. And trust me, the daily practice tools we provide are next level. We have guided sensory meditations. We have healing therapeutic workbooks, sensory exercises, somatic tools. We'll be all just like your trusted companions. On this healing journey to help you really guide you and hold your hand through this process something that we all need we shouldn't have to just like dig our way through the mud on the sensory journey like it should be easy we deserve that support we deserve that help that guidance someone to make it easy and so here this is really the icing on a cake as a member you'll also have a chance to obtain a sensory trauma training certificate And so let me tell you why the certificate is so special. The training is very different because it's not just a service level knowledge, training course, as you see, majority of the times are just like memorizing a textbook. I believe, or I know, that the best way to truly understand and implement a therapy model and be the best practitioner you can be is by experiencing it. And I mean really learning it through personal experience. You'll learn and experience the process firsthand, going beyond theory to gain a deep understanding of sensory trauma therapy. So if you're a practitioner looking to truly make a difference in the lives of highly sensitive individuals, the Sensory Therapy Retreat monthly membership is your gateway to becoming sensory trained. Together, we'll explore the depths of sensory healing and you'll emerge with the knowledge and personal experience to create profound transformations in the lives of those you serve. So thank you so much for joining this very special episode. I am so happy you're here. Come say hi to me on Instagram at sensory underscore therapist and tell me what your favorite part of this episode was. Subscribe, rate, and review and send me a screenshot for a free sensory surprise gift. And I will see you next Tuesday. Love you guys.